Hey guys, so welcome back to our uh, podcast, Coding Chicas. And as promised, um, we do have a guest for you today, but per usual, we're going to go ahead and do our little icebreaker question. So ladies, I have a question. If you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? This one is super easy for me because I love food. Um, <laughs> but I don't know if you girls have had it. Spicy bulgogi with rice. Like if I can eat it. that all the time, it's Korean food. If I can eat that all the time, I'd eat it every day. Oh, really? Day. What, oh, yeah. So what's in it? Um, I believe it's pork and it has like this spicy like, like sauce, stuff. like yeah. marinated. Um, uh-huh. and it's just so fatty and delicious. Oh my god, I want some. <laughs> is it now. like is it like Korean barbecue? Yeah. Kinda? Ooh, yeah. it's probably really good then. It's amazing. Yeah. It's good. What about you, Jessa? What uh, what's your one meal? I would like I love going to the taco truck or like taqueria, so I would definitely be eating tacos every day. <laughs> for the rest of your life. For the rest of my life. For the rest the of the The important question here is what kind of tacos? Oh my gosh. I like spicy chicken, um, but oh my gosh, tacos del pastor. So good. Which ones are those? That's not the one with pineapple. Yeah, it is. It is. Oh, so good. You know, it's not my meal. I love it. You guys need to try the ones in Mexico. I it's my it's literally on my bucket list, Edith. Like I need I would go just for that. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, me too. I'll take you. I don't want to go to the, the tequila train. I'll take okay, you guys. So that's going to be on our bucket list. Oh, by the way, we are planning some type of live event when we all go to Mexico in the near future. In the so. West Coast. Yes. Yeah. Coming to the West Coast. West Coast. <laughs> what okay. about you, Denise? Um, mine is this. Um, I don't know who it belongs to, but I'll just say all of West Africa. Um, it's called rice and stew, but essentially it's just this white, white rice. And then it's like a kind of looks like tomato sauce uh, and you can put like hen or chicken or beef or goat whatever you want but yeah it's so basic well to me it's basic it's not basic it's it takes a, it's a lot to make but um I could eat that for breakfast I could eat that for lunch I could eat I do do that when I'm at home when I, when I visit my parents breakfast lunch dinner every day that's what I eat like I love it I could eat it for the rest of my life I eat it the same way every time and doesn't get old. So I just I just Googled it and it looks amazing. It is delicious. But, you know, I can't eat it all, like I used to because uh, I would be like 50,000 pounds because <laughs> uh, there's no veggies in it. I mean, there's veggies used to make it, but, you yeah, know, I had to cut back on it. But if I could, if I had to, that's what I would eat. I want to try so. that so bad. Me too. I might sneak you guys some. You know, you can bring food mm. on the plane. What? Oh, you didn't okay. know that? Um, I thought like I, I didn't know that. No, I thought that the rule was is that you can't bring anything like from like beyond us the checkpoint. Mm-mm. You can it just can't be liquid. But girl, oh. when I went to Philly. I brought a Philly cheesesteak bag. Oh. I brought that. <laughs> oh, I'm that I, girl. I love Philly cheesesteak so yes. bad. I didn't know so to throw good. away. And my friend had told me, and I was like, well, I mean, hey, it's I'd eaten enough of it where if I, they made me throw it out, lesson learned. But, yeah. you know, I'm a professional risk taker. So, and I got it through. <laughs> and ever since then, you just have to be comfortable with putting your food, like, you know, in the 
basket and okay. going through security and uh, all that. But, I mean... But yeah, I so yeah, I can bring you guys some. I didn't That's know that. Share, share your recipe. T- nope. That's family secrets. Uh, you're an Italian oh. now? <laughs> well, I am an Italian. <laughs> I am an Italian, so... But that's good to hear. Like it's interesting. I wasn't expecting that from Edith. So I know what the secret ingredient would be. What? What? A tablespoon of bullying. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! Bully. They bully the sauce. (laughs) Yes. No, that's that's special special. That's fam. That's that's definitely family secret sauce. (laughs) Oh my god! That part. I don't know if everybody else has it, but I know that's our family secret sauce. Yeah, that's good. So, you know, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into our guests. We don't want to keep them waiting too long. Hello. Hi, Rocio. How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Okay. So thank you for joining us on our podcast. Um, First things first, can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, so my name is Rocio de Santiago. I was born in Chicago. My parents are from Mexico. I was raised uh, mostly in Georgia, and currently I'm in St. Louis. Ooh. And, uh, I'm about two and a half years into my software uh, engineering career, and I'm excited to be here, and I'm honored to be on this episode. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> so I want to quickly... Um, recap before we start getting into kind of like some questions um i think i don't know if you remember this but um when we first met um actually I don't, you probably do remember but i don't know you know we so me and um well i should ask you this before but <laughs> we're sorority sisters and um i met rocia when she was uh, becoming a member and i remember i always laugh because i the i remember the moment i met you um you were you started at Kennesaw and you had I guess you had decided you wanted to go to Georgia Tech right yeah. or you were thinking about it and I remember like they were asking everybody like oh what do you want to do what are your aspirations and you were like I want to mind you you're at Kennesaw at the moment and you're like I want to transfer to Georgia Tech and become a and I, I don't know if you said software engineer I just remember it was some kind of engineer yeah and everybody was looking at you like girl but you're at Kennesaw like what <laughs> say those things and sure enough I remember you ended up moving on but I always laugh because I just remember like sisters were just kind of like what she's over here becoming a member at this school but she's already talking about moving on and going to be an engineer somewhere else so every time I think of you I always remember <laughs> that particular that was the first time I met you um and I've been able to witness your journey throughout. Um, I remember you talking a lot about it on Facebook, you know, and I wasn't interested in tech at the time, but I always remember like seeing you talk about it and seeing that you were at University of Miami and everything. Um, And so I knew when we started the podcast at some point, I did want to get you on because I remember seeing you like be very vocal about your experience. Um, So I just wanted to throw that out there. (laughs) So with that being said, like when exactly did you decide you wanted to go into tech and has this always been your plan? So initially, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer, and so I was actually at Kennesaw State University uh, pursuing criminal justice, 
And I got to about my junior year, uh, which is when I started, like, becoming interested in the sorority as well. Um, I, like, I was, I guess, in a moment of, like, transition. Um, but the sorority was at Georgia Tech, so I was like, oh, that works out. So, like, I wouldn't be joining for no reason. Um, but, like, I was in my junior year in college, and I was taking, like, sociology, and I was just, like, losing all motivation to, like, do it. I was like, this is not what I want to do. And I'm like, I still have one more year, and then I'll have to apply to law school. I'm like, I can't do this. I need to decide what I want to do with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of like that. Um, I would call it a mid-college crisis, maybe, um, <laughs> if that's a thing. Uh, but eventually, I was like, I di- actually didn't know about engineering or even, like, I-, I didn't even know, like, web developers or computer sciences. Like, I had never heard those occupations. I had always heard about teachers or um, being a police officer or those kind of careers. But I, I, I was kind of raised in, like, uh, Dalton, Georgia, which is like a very uh, rural part of Georgia, um, and the high school that I went to, like, they didn't really recommend, um, like, encourage people to go to college. So I was like, I don't even think I want to go to college. I didn't really like. It was everything was just kind of last minute, which is why I was like junior college. I was like, you know what? Now that I've actually thought about it, I think this is what I want to do. And I found out about like careers in math and like STEM. And then um, at the time, Kennesaw State University didn't have uh, computer engineering. They had computer science. But for whatever reason, I was, like, drawn to engineering. I was like, I've never heard of this, and that sounds cool. And I kind of just wanted to, like, be challenged, like, with math and science. Um, So that's kind of how that started. (laughs) (laughs) This is funny. And uh, for those people that don't know, um, so you, you said you grew up in Dalton, Georgia. And what's your background? Mexican. So you're Mexican, and I believe there's a large um, Mexican population in Dalton, Georgia, right? Yeah. So up there, that's so you also didn't really get exposure to that being up there as well. And when I say up there, we're both in we're from Georgia, so up there means like northern northern part of Georgia as well. So you didn't really get it any interest. Nobody in high school ever spoke to you about it or anything like that. Not in my classes. I did hear, like, classmates that took, like, a basic coding course, and I was like, really? I'm like, I'm so shocked that I didn't get exposed to it before. Right, But I'm right. not really sure why. Right, right. Um, so kind of to skip forward and talk a little bit more about your journey, um, like, tell us what you're currently doing. I know you said you're fairly new to the field, and what made you um, – yeah, tell us more about what you're currently doing. So currently, I'm at a company that does uh, projects for, like, the government. Um, They also do, like, uh, other projects for the Air Force. Um, So it's, like, Department of Defense, the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency. So, like, the NGA is kind of like the government agency that overlooks a lot of the geographic information that we have of the world. and so one of the projects that I'm working on is uh, has to do with, like, updating airfield data. Um, but the funny thing about, like, me sharing that is I do have a top-secret clearance, so I always try not to overshare. Um, <laughs> funnily enough, like, I have a top-secret clearance, but I'm not actually, like, 
in the what they would call like the skiff, which is like where you go into this room and you can't bring a phone, you can't bring any technology um, into that room because it's like top secret. So uh, there's no way that they're gonna let you like leak data out. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm actually working remotely. Um, so it's kind of weird that I have like a clearance, but I'm working remote and then I'm working for like the government. Um, it's just a very like unique situation. Um, Cause uh, funnily enough, my my goal has always been to work for Google. So that's definitely not where I'm at right now. But <laughs> definitely maybe five year plan or something. Yeah, yeah, it's always possible. Uh, what, did you purposely seek out a government job? Um, no, so I actually got reached out to by like a headhunter that was recruiting for Boeing. And then mm. I wasn't actually aware that this was a thing. Um, I just happened to have a clearance uh, from when I was in the military. And uh, they saw that I had a secret clearance. Um, I guess for some reason I had it on my resume and they reached out. They're like, oh, there's a job in, at Boeing because Boeing also does contracts for the government. Mm-hmm. And so I just happened to like meet this very specific niche. And um, they're like, yeah, we're looking for software engineers. You just need a bachelor's. And like the technical interview for this like wasn't even as stressful as like the other interviews that I did for like MasterCard or Ultimate Software or like those big companies. I was like, okay, so there's another way to do this. <laughs> right. That's interesting. <laughs> so no, it's, I, I didn't do it on purpose. It just happened. I was like, yeah, I'll take the job and it's going. Like that was my first job. I'm not there right now. Um, but it definitely looks good on the resume. Gotcha. So, you know, like I said, I kind of um, <clears throat> was watching your journey on Facebook, <laughs> essentially, and you being vocal about it. So um, I wanted to ask you, um, you know, I wasn't until I reached out to you that I, I don't think I even realized you actually did a coding boot camp. You know, I knew you were in school for it, but I didn't, I guess I never made that distinction or maybe I wasn't interested in tech. Um to like really pay attention to what you were saying. Um, but, you know, you did go to college and um, can you walk us a little bit more through your journey after leaving or after deciding that you wanted to be a computer engineer? Um, and then what kind of ultimately led you to going to a coding boot camp, even though you were um, enrolled in school? Yeah, so it's definitely, it definitely sounds messy. And <laughs> so... <laughs> So it, it's so weird because there's actually like three degrees that you can do. There's computer science, um, there's software engineering, and then there's computer engineering. And I don't know if some schools even have hardware engineering, um, which I think that would be electrical. Um, so when I like applied for computer engineering, I clearly didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, but I learned as I went um, that it was like more like hardware, electrical, and a little bit of software. Um, And I loved doing that. I was, like, making circuits and designing them. Um, But then uh, I learned that you could make more money as a software engineer. Um, (laughs) If I could go back, I would definitely either do a computer science degree or a software engineering degree. But obviously, like, I was just kind of (laughs) going with the flow that that I knew. Mm -hmm. Um, So... Uh, I would have to say, and um, what you probably remember from Facebook is probably like me venting about how hard school was because uh, it was definitely a challenge for me. Um, 
because moving away to Miami, uh, it was just like a culture shock, which which is really interesting because I'm Mexican and I was like, oh, I'm going to fit in because it's like very Latin populated. Um, yeah. But then I'm, uh, I, I turned out to be like a minority there. I was, and everybody <laughs> thought I was Cuban. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I'm just sitting there like, so where are the good taco places? And you have to like go all the way to Fort Lauderdale for that. And I was just like, this is wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. so, um, I have to say like, you know, having that like taste of home is definitely important. Um, thankfully, uh, the sorority was also in Florida. They're also in South Florida. Um, so I did have like a support system there. Um, unfortunately, I didn't have like somebody to study with. Uh, everybody was different majors at the time. Um, so I was kind of just lost uh, trying to make it through um, what at University of Miami is like a small program. And so if I could change that, I would actually have chosen to go to Florida International University, FIU, because mm-hmm. uh, that's a public school. And University of Miami was a private university, which I didn't realize until I got accepted. And I was like, hey. <laughs> so, so, then that, so then there's that surprise that I'm like, oh, so that's like private school tuition I'm like this is is fun um but so I struggled in college and I actually graduated with a 2.43 GPA uh so Mm -hmm. after that I was like I'm not gonna get a job in this field and um I definitely struggled very hard with like the the tech interviews because uh data structures and like algorithms were like my hardest classes and like as much tutoring that I paid for, like, I just couldn't get it. Mm. So um, I had graduated in May of 2018. And then I was, like, looking for jobs. I went to, like, the Grasshopper Conference, uh, which Grasshopper is, like, this Air Force um, woman that uh, I forgot what she invented, but she did, she contributed to something in coding. I, I don't know if it was Cobalt, mm, but, um, like, a language. Yes, I, I know the, uh, yeah, they have it every year. Yeah, for women. I know that Grace Hopper, but I don't know what she, I don't know what she invented either, but I know what you're talking about. So, so it's a really cool conference that my friend who got, who had a internship at Twitter invited me to. And it seems like it's like, you have to like find a way to find like an invite. And I kind of like said that I was still in school because I just wanted to go get exposed and kind of like reignite, um, the the hope because it was already September and mm-hmm. so it had been like maybe three months since three or four months since I graduated and I was getting ready to just like uh, apply like at a restaurant just to pay the bills or apply as an admin because that's what I have experience with in the military because I was like well I need money and I <laughs> I can't keep chasing this like mm-hmm. dream forever mm-hmm. um so then uh I. What happened at uh, Grace Hopper? I don't think that I did some interviews. I did interview for like USAA, which is a military bank, and I really thought I was gonna get it, and it did not. It did not happen. <laughs> and they were in Austin. I was already thinking. I was like, okay, I'll move to Austin, and I'll make this work for like sixty-five k, even though that's low. But I was like desperate. Right. Um, but that didn't happen because you know the universe had different plans for me. Right. Um, so eventually that was actually leading to like depression and like um, I actually read Sheryl Sandberg's I don't know if it was Plan B or her other book first. Um, it might have been 
the first one that she wrote at that time. And then I found out about Lean in Circles. And then so I found the Lean, I think it's Lean in Latinas or something. Like it was, a, with it being Miami, it was uh, the Lean in Circle there was like a Latin based group. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was really cool because like within a week of joining that circle, the next week they were like, oh, Cheryl Sandberg is from Miami. So she's coming to visit and she's going to do a fireside chat. And we're invited, so just RSVP. I was like, "Whoa, this is so cool!" <laughs> I was like, "I was like, I just finished reading her book. Like, clearly, I'm going the right path." Um, so I went and I met everyone, and uh, so it was kind of like a really good networking opportunity. And I, I was starting to become inspired again because you know the whole thing about her books is like, like not giving up and like taking roles and doing all of that. So I was like, okay, maybe I won't give up and I'll just keep trying. <laughs> so um, they also had like talks. So I remember going to like, I don't know if it was like a tech talk, um, but there was like this investor, this angel investor that moved from San Francisco to Miami. And she was basically just talking about her experience with investing in tech companies and how she was going to start doing it in Miami because she's from there. Um, and then she started talking about coding boot camps. And that's when kind of like my ears kind of perked up. I was like, what is this? And so I, I actually like uh, raised my hand and asked. I was like, well, what do you think is more valuable? Um, do you think it would be rare for like someone with a college degree to get a coding boot camp? Do you think it's even like worth getting a degree now that these coding boot camps are out there? Um, so she actually uh, said that, well, you have to be careful with these coding book camps because there are some out there that they're just taking your money and they're not really teaching you. Um, she said, like, college degrees are still useful um, because you do learn, like, the foundations that a lot of things, a lot of things that aren't covered in a coding book camp because, I mean, they are kind of fast. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like, so if there's, like, one that you could recommend, um, she actually happened to be investing in the one that she recommended. And she was like, yeah, WinCode is a good one that I could recommend. So after that, I was like, went to my laptop, found out about it, saw that they were doing like a scholarship for women in tech. So I was like, send in my video for why I wanted to do it. <laughs> um, I was very like nervous. And like, I, I there was definitely like an ego check there because I was like, uh, who am I like? I have a degree. Why am I going to a coding bootcamp? This is embarrassing. Um, but I was, I, again, I was desperate. So I was like, I have to make this work and I have to put my ego aside. And so January 2019, I started that uh, coding bootcamp in Wynwood. It's like Wynwood, Miami, which is like the art district. Mm-hmm. Um, if you ever visit Miami, that's like the fun place to go. There's a, a cool, um, there's a taco stand, which opened during the time that I started my coding bootcamp. <laughs> that was awesome, too. Um, so overall, like, it, like, that was just, that's how that happened. So I think I answered your question about <laughs> how I got into the coding bootcamp. So, Rocio, I know you mentioned, you know, you had a degree and then you went into a bootcamp. Do you think that gave you, like, an advantage? So definitely, yes. Um, I saw, uh, so like when we were going over certain things, I felt confident because I was like, oh, I'm following this. And at the same time, I understood. I was like, I understand why people are feeling stressed and they want to quit already because this is overwhelming if you've never like been exposed to this. Um, but obviously it was like four years of, or it was three years that I was down there. Um, 
of like doing computer classes I was definitely following and uh, it did help. Okay. And for people, for any, you know, person who is listening right now who might have like a degree, degree like you, do you recommend, would you recommend going to a boot camp and maybe getting that extra help? Is that something you would recommend? Um, only if they're like, uh, ready to give like, so as far as the coding bootcamp, I think it really depends on like the person's situation. Um, for me, it also worked out because I was able to take out a loan for like living expenses. Um, so that was beneficial. Um, I know there was like a student that like they had a family, so they had to be careful with like making sure they succeeded because it was kind of like an investment in themselves so they could better their career. Um, so it really depends where they're at. As far as like, I think if they haven't started a job, it's worth it. Otherwise, there's like other courses out there that they can do. Um, unless there's like a short one for like people that already got a degree or already have some work experience. But if they don't have work experience and they're still trying to look for a job, I 100% recommend it. Awesome. Okay. So I know you talked about like how in the boot camp you were kind of following um, and you felt like because you did have that experience, you know, taking those computer classes um, that you, it kind of helped. That's uh, at least that's what I understood. Um, now with that being said, um, do you feel like there's anything that you particularly took away from the boot camp that you don't feel like, you learned in your college classes, like kind of to reverse it? So I would have to say that I actually feel like I learned more in the coding boot camp than my like three years of college at UM as a transfer student. Um, Cause like they taught me skills that you actually use at, like at work. Um, so when I got to my first job, I already knew about Git, which with just my college degree, and not having done any side projects, as many people recommend to do to build your portfolio. Um, I didn't know what Git was when I graduated college. So uh, I definitely got a lot from it. I, I personally said that I got more value from like, my bootcamp, the coding bootcamp was like 15K. And um, I came out of UIM with like, I think 26K. And I still kind of, I was like, yeah, I got the piece of paper, but like, as far as like applicable stuff, I'm like the coding bootcamp gave me more because um, I had projects that I could show and like, I could say I worked on a team and not only that, they have like the hiring support, which I really feel like the college is lack. Like they give you a degree and then they're like, good luck finding a job. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I would say it was very beneficial. Um, it was it was worth the investment, and uh, I grew a network uh, bigger than what I had from school. Okay. Wow. Um, and I'm just curious. Um, do you happen to know like about how many jobs you might have applied for since you know uh, before landing your first job? Um. So if if I had been like tracking that. I would have a number, um, but right off the top of my head, uh, minimum 10, just like, because I'm just thinking of like 
the ma- the big name companies uh i'm sure i sent my resume or i'm actually just thinking about the ones that actually responded <laughs> and uh <laughs> which i know like during the coding bootcamp um after they would help them with an excel to actually track it and i'm like that makes sense i should have done that after college <laughs> um but they kind of like track who you've applied to so you could follow up and then if you've done a technical interview cuz if anybody's ever done like a regular interview process um which i think is changing soon um I hope so. uh which actually uh i i i mentored this uh friend uh that did the code code platoon which is for veterans uh and he somehow got hired through like a hackathon that chase sponsored so mm. i'm i'm very hopeful that they're kind of going to show that hey there's a new way to like interview people without going through yeah. these like flying people out and it was virtual too cuz it it is way too stressful i've had friends that fly to cali to do like the three part interview process and still get denied i'm just like you were wow. people <laughs> and yeah so and so like with a hackathon like at least you're getting experience you're like learning about what chase is looking for and I'm like that's super valuable. Mhm. Um so I'm hoping I'm crossing my fingers that they start to set like this pattern and start to pave the way for a new hiring process. Um I know I, I'm on LinkedIn a lot. I know uh one of you said that LinkedIn was one of the apps that you would keep on the last episode. She's um, listening. <laughs> no, <I agree> <laughs> um there's a lot of people on there that are like complaining about the hiring process and they're like and now with like this resignation era like things are changing and it's for the good. Yeah. Um, so I I don't have a number about the how many jobs I applied to though. Um but I would say it would be a lot because I also did like kind of like speed dating applying <laughs> Yeah, I feel you there because, I mean, I'm still working on, you know, getting a, a job. So I honestly, I think I've submitted like maybe like a hundred or more applications already. And then there's just like a few that will reply or reach out. It's, it's crazy out there right now. Yeah. So I remember my friend who got a software engineering degree. She was more active in the in the applica- application process, so she had her Excel. And I, I don't know, I, I, I was kind of hesitant of just, like, applying because I've heard people say, like, it's better to, like, network and then have someone pass your resume. And so for me, I was kind of being lazy. I was like, I'm going to go find people <laughs> that can recommend me. Um, So I went to like the conferences. The reason that a lot of people have like so many applications and never hear back is because recruiters have confirmed that your resume kind of goes to a black hole unless like somebody in-house can recommend you or some like recommendations is the fastest way to get a job. Or if you're headhunted, of course, through like uh someone that they hire to look for people. I'm going to actually take that tip because I don't think I've been doing a lot of networking, so I'm going to see how that works out for me. <laughs> um so another question, now that you're like on the other side, um you know, you already went through college, did the boot camp, you have a job now. Uh what do you wish you knew then? 
I know you kind of um, talked a little bit about it, but what what do you wish you knew then um, now that you have your job? What I just said about how networking is like the most important thing. Uh, I definitely learned that, especially with the coding bootcamp, not only for like uh, seeing if someone can recommend you for a job, but also to like learn from other people who are in the field and just hear their experiences. Um, I think it kind of helps reduce the anxiety of not knowing what it's like at all. Um, and then just kind of, it also helps you uh, figure out what kind of job you do want. Um, Cause I remember when I think it was MasterCard, they asked me, oh, are you interested in the front end, back end or full stack? And like right out of college and not having like had many classes, I was like, what? I don't know what. <laughs> and and at that time, I was like, I don't know, I guess back end because I learned C++ in college. But obviously, like I wasn't good at it. So like I did not do well on it. And I was, but now after I did the coding bootcamp, I was like, well, I do like front end. And I mean, it would be nice to be full stack. But as far as back end, it's not my strongest. Eventually, I would like to redeem myself and be better at back end. But as far as like my personality, like I like designing things and like making things appear well. Um, and there's plenty of people that are good at the back end. So as far as like fearing is, oh, I need to learn back end because that's where, you know, th those jobs are in demand. Like every job is in demand. And if a company is really good, they'll they'll train you do back and if they really need it kind of just going back in time a little bit um preceding your law school journey and kind of you know how you got all the way to um your job and then you know you I think you were enrolled uh you were doing computer science just in multiple ways but um <laughs> I wanted to ask you um if you would have known that uh, software engineering and technology was an option for a career in software engineering in general. Would you have chosen to major in computer science? Um, so I would like to say that I would have definitely started like and just went and pursued computer science because now that I'm like on the other side and I've met people who study like all the degrees end up getting the same role anyway. Yeah. Um, I'm like, I should have just done computer science. Why did I go through all that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds, I know because uh, we, in the past, like there was, uh, I think, wasn't it Edith and I, we didn't even know that it was even a possibility until one day we randomly did. So I feel like there's like not a lot of exposure on the career field. Um, but anyways, thank you. And then my other question was, um, Going back, so you mentioned that when you got a job, you kind of have a, or you do have a security clearance. I know sometimes you can't talk a lot about it, but I was more curious because um, there's a lot of jobs I'm seeing more and more where they require you to have one, and it's all sorts of levels of it. But I was curious if, in your role, if you had already gone through the steps to obtain one, or if all you needed to do was like be eligible to get one. So I was question. just curious how that worked. Yeah, that's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that because I think like clearances are kind of like a very like weird topic. And then uh -huh. sometimes people are scared to even talk about it because they're yeah. like, is somebody going to tag me because I asked you? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
But so for me, I I was fortunate that I got um, a secret clearance because I dealt with socials in um, the military. Um, uh, so, but I know that when I went to Boeing, um, so that's kind of like what got me like on the fast track to get hired by them. But I know that a lot of the people there were not military like me or prior military, and they were getting sponsored by Boeing. So it is possible um, to get headhunted or if you happen to, I think some of these people may have gone to like uh, a conference and there was like Boeing recruiters there. And they probably just asked them, like, would you feel comfortable getting a background check and getting a secret clearance uh, to work for this job? Um, so a lot of people that was I would say that was the majority of the people on my team at Boeing um, that were just getting a secret clearance. Uh, so the lower that it is, I think the more feasible it is. And once you kind of break in, um, then you get access to like these very niche jobs that are hard to fill um, because as um, we kind of like don't know too many people with clearances, uh, it's really hard for recruiters to find people. Um, and then I think it's also hard for them to like even find people that are willing to do the background check. Um, usually like traffic tickets are fine or like just there's little things like that. Like I've, I've had quite like a record and I just kind of like tell the person interviewing me, I'm like, oh yeah, that happened <laughs> and I'm kind of just embarrassed and they're like it's fine I, you're you're human I'm like okay <laughs> that's actually really cool um, yeah and then so so at Boeing uh funnily enough I only had a secret so then um I went to like a little career fair here in St. Louis and somebody was like oh we'll sponsor your top secret and I haven't actually looked it up but I know it's at least 50k it might be 50k for the secret or wow. up to a hundred. So yeah. Yes. So when a company, yeah, when a company sponsors your clearance, they're investing in you because because for them to have like people with clearances on their team, they're able to bid on projects. So they're willing to spend that money because they're making a lot on you anyway. So don't feel guilty. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so as far as like you being able to go to the police station I've never heard of anybody just being because who has 50k to be like yeah start my investigation I need to get a clearance job yeah <laughs> so I've never heard of anybody who does that most I, I don't even know if that's allowed but I know that companies will sponsor it and, that's so um, weird because <laughs> yeah. I feel like more and more jobs um they they literally like in the requirements they want you to have it and I'm just like maybe do they want you to have it from like a previous employment um like it's not very junior friendly I guess <laughs> so I was just curious um yeah and then sometimes you'll see that I think for some jobs that I've seen uh there'll be like ability to get it or something yeah yeah um, but yeah as you said like those are hard to find because just like the junior roles like Mm -hmm. they're very like you have to dig for them yeah and like you said the police thing like who's gonna be able to do that <laughs> like that's a good point <laughs> yeah, <here's> 50k <laughs> and they'll be like well why are you looking for a job if you have 50k <laughs> yeah. they're like uh is this drug money <laughs> just kidding but anyway anybody ever ask you like are you willing to do a background I'd say it's worth it. <laughs> yeah, no, that sounds – that's really insightful, and um, that actually helps me a lot in my personal job search. So thank you very much. 
You're welcome. Oh, you're almost not going to get canceled this episode, Jessa. Oh yeah. my god! <laughs> Every wow. episode, I promise you, Jessa gets closer and closer to being canceled. And and if you if you're following our episodes, it's always because some people I'm not naming names they can't let go of the past. But <laughs> who's she talking about? She's talking about you, Denise. I think she's talking about both of us. Both of them. Look, the shade. I, I almost spilled. I almost spilled. Okay, because uh, I think Rocio would be on our side. Nope. Oh that's, my what, gosh. that's for after, um, yeah. the after, after podcast chat <laughs> behind the scenes. Oh. So just, just keep pushing the buttons. And the bully will come out. The bully episode will come out earlier than expected. Um, oh gosh. So speaking of bullying, um, and women, because <laughs> it does happen. So I want to kind of change gears and and talk a little bit more about like so. Um, I don't know about you, but for me, um, I I did notice that there weren't a lot of women in tech, um, but it wasn't until I, you know, made that career transition and kind of started like looking more into like social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, um, Instagram, where I noticed a lot of women were starting to be a little bit more vocal about being a woman in tech and how it's like kind of seen as like an other or different. Um, and then you hear about like the common phrase, like the bros, you know? Um, so, (laughs) so I wanted to kind of like talk to you about like, you know, since we've heard about it and it's a struggle, uh, or we've heard it's a struggle on according to social media and we're making our way into that space. Do you feel like that has been your experience? Uh, so personally I've been super blessed and I haven't experienced that. Um, I will say like, for me, I think I've experienced more, um, like discrimination in the military. Uh, so maybe it's because my bar is different <laughs> as far as like <laughs> expectations. Um, so like, as far as like women in tech, like, yeah, it's a small per- percentage. And I did do a little research on, on why that is. Um, well, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say research. I, I read a book of someone who did the research. Um, and that book is, I definitely recommend it. It's called Brotopia. Uh, and it was written in 2020 or 2019. So it's pretty new. It was very eye-opening. There's, like, so much history that I was completely unaware of. And just, like, the talk about cultural, how the culture kind of drove women out. Um, And it kind of just reminded me of how, like, women are new to the workforce. um, And me with, like, having my military experience, I kind of, like, appreciate it, too. And I'm kind of like, well, like, the wars are always ugly. um, But what good came out of it is that women joined the workforce, so... Uh, there might be people that disagree with that. Uh, I actually had an ex-boyfriend um, in Miami, I won't say names, um, mm. that that was like, oh yeah, like when women join the workforce, that's less jobs for men. And I'm like, oh my, you oh, didn't just say that. Just I like, Are you serious? Say his name. That's, Let's yeah. cancel him. Yeah, after, afterwards, <laughs> okay. we gonna, don't worry, we got you. We're going to spam Oh my him. gosh. Rude. Yeah, I was like, are you and and like because you know for me i was like i think women like joining the workforce has been such a blessing for the world we have so much to offer yeah i mean because we have the experience of organizing homes making dinner cleaning like the amount of experience that we have compared to like someone going on an office i'm like there's a reason why i prefer to go out of an office because i don't want to stay out right girl i'm like like being a housewife that is such like uh 
underrated um, role that people yeah. do not, are not thankful enough for. Like yeah. I'm so thankful for my mom because that's what she she was basically a homeowner uh, most of my upbringing, mm-hmm. and she did so much for us. I would have to say yeah. she probably did a little bit too much because now I'm not the best cook. the best cleaner. Same, same. It's a lot harder than people think. Like it's, yeah. it's more than a full time job, especially if you have it. a lot of kids. Yeah, yeah. It's it's like six jobs. I think. I think somebody yeah. like you're a nurse when they get, the kids get sick. You're the like cleaner, uh, the cook, and like um, I, I, I don't know. There's more. Do you like, do you everything. Organize the grocery list. You you you. you who was, who was the one that put the calendar on the wall? <laughs> so yeah, we, we have a lot of organization skills. So that book that book was it was it was really inspiring and it was also sad because obviously I learned about how women were entering uh, computer science like as a degree, and then um, because they actually tried to make uh, Silicon Valley kind of like um, Wall Street where it was very like oh we got money so let's like go party and you know do all those like very uh negative masculine things because i mean being masculine is not a bad thing that's just like an energy but there's a way that you can like take it far and kind of like exclude people mm-hmm. and um that's kind of like what they did first like in wall street and then they try to bring it to silicon valley where like these people in tech they're like oh my god we can make so much money with <laughs> two websites and and kind of like automating all these processes for companies so they can invest in the software um and and it just like they never thought about like oh uh this might be like unwelcoming to women um so <laughs> I'm, I'm i think we're at a point where people are finally recognizing that and there are companies that are being called out for it and they're working on making the changes I would say that uh, Cheryl Sandberg was also like very vocal about it, and she wasn't like specifically in a tech role, um, but she was like I think the COO of Facebook, and she said that even for her, she's like I had to ask for a parking space, um, like because they they didn't think about like doing like parking space for when she was pregnant, like because they didn't, mm. they never had to think about it. So there's all these things that. Um, they just don't think about because they have always had that many women or sometimes there's buildings with uh, missing like female restrooms (laughs) like just different things like that and I've seen that in the military too Um, so I think it's just a matter of like the entire world uh, slowly very slowly like a turtle adjusting to women entering the workforce Um, Mm -hmm. but as I said I've been really lucky uh that I haven't like uh, experienced anything like what I read in those books, uh, which there was like things about like sexual harassment and like being uh, like blackmailed to the point where someone just quits. Um, they talked about the accounts of like Uber and other like companies, uh, but I would I would just say that like speaking up and then being very vocal and like unapologetic <laughs> is very important. Um, it is a big role and it's a lot to take on. Um, I know that's another complaint that, like, I think uh, engineers, like female engineers at Google complain about because they're like, well, then they start asking us to, like, be the ones that interview women engineers, and then you're taking them away from coding, and it's like you're still defeating the purpose. Yeah. <laughs> so so we've got a ways to go, but I think, like, 
we we still have a lot of work to do and it really is up to each of us to kind of like take it and do something with it so um i have a question for you though real quick um so i love citing ted talks um past (laughs) episodes i've done that but there was this one that i watched that reminded me of what you said and this um she was a black woman so she was going through it obviously and a lot of other women that were you know like white women weren't going through it but um she would she was a speaker at uh, this event and she would have to pay to speak but white wow. men and white women wouldn't have to and so she kind of went through this process where um she knew it wasn't fair and then when she started talking about it other black women were rallying and they were like uh we have to too and then they thought it was normal and but anyways um it kind of um it sparked like this domino effect of speaking up and i was just curious uh if you had any advice or uh personal um um kind of just personal advice i guess on how to speak up like if someone feels like they're being treated unfair in the work uh place like how how would you suggest they go about it um so I, I will say that I've dealt with something uh, like similar in the military mm-hmm. and uh, I was like really scared to speak up. Uh, I was kind of like scared of uh, getting blackmailed or getting judged for saying something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I found a way to do so anonymously and I kind of just like sat with myself and I asked myself, well, I have to do the right thing. Like, am I going to be able to sleep at night? And <laughs> yeah. like for me, and I think it's going to have to like come down to like your moral compass. Mm-hmm. And like, I couldn't, like if something happens, I thought I was like, I would not be able to live with myself. Right. Um, so I was like, I've got to figure out a way to do this like strategically. Um, or as we like to say in, in the Marines, uh, tactically. Um, <laughs> so, so, um, so I found a way to do so anonymously. And um, that's kind of, uh, that's one way. Uh, I would say writing it down on paper, uh, having paper trail, um, which is something that I've learned in the military. If anything, if anyone ever like makes a complaint, first you write down like the complaints that you're making, you write down all the details, the day, everything. Um, and you kind of write out the reasoning because you don't, you don't want to, and then you also like come up with a, try to come up with a solution if you, you can, um, that always helps the case. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and for me, I, if I complain about something, I always like say, oh, we should do this instead. Um, just to kind of like not present a problem and then kind of like add more stress to like the leadership. Um, so as far as that, yeah, I, w- I would recommend like, obviously, um, cause I feel like a lot of us, we have a lot to lose. So when you have yeah. a lot to lose, it's really hard to speak up. Yeah. And when you have mm-hmm. that, <laughs> you're like, I got to pay these bills. So next person can do <laughs> something. Yeah. Um, so that's why, that's why I recommend Anonymous, because you shouldn't have to sacrifice your job. Or if you feel like you're going to lose your job, I recommend like speaking to some, like a mentor. Um, I definitely recommend having a mentor uh, so that they can kind of help you find a job, like, or kind of um, help you realize that you can find another job and it's not going to be the end of the world and you'll yeah. be a better person for it kind of thing. I hope that helps a little. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, I, think that's, I think that's good advice just to butt in real quick. I've had to do something similar too and I, I definitely want to harp on um, having documentation. You'll be surprised mm-hmm. that 
you know, a month from the incident, you kind of forget some of the details. You yeah. Know? Mm-hmm. So by documenting it in the moment, like I used to just either I'll keep it on my phone or I'll keep it like on a Word document. And if I do it, type it at my work computer, I always, always email yeah. myself a copy to my personal email address because let me tell you, these companies, the moment you decide to leave or do something, they'll cut you right out the system. Yeah. So quick. Yeah. Oh, and- yeah. And the, and the more evidence you have, that's even great because if they try to, like, put you on blast, you can put them on blast. Yeah. Hopefully, you know someone in the news. <laughs> well, this, <laughs> like, you just make it go viral. Like, oh, yeah. Now <laughs> we have that kind of power. Yeah. 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 If there's any advice that I would suggest is that too, like make sure, cause I've had an experience as well, um, where I wish I would have emailed, you know, all these emails, um, to my personal email. Uh, because again, yeah, employees, employees, employers, they don't care about their employees. Yeah. They care about their, their, their company. So obviously yeah. they're going to do whatever it is you know, they want, they're going to manipulate and twist certain things, especially if you have no, no proof of it. Um, so yeah, yeah. if anything, if, if you guys take any advice, it would be that. Yeah. Learn my yeah. lesson. <laughs> I, I had a work journal where I would document like, um, if I needed to, I would just, the, t- the time, the date. And there is this one irrational employee that I was dealing with. And she was like, are you journaling about me? And I was like, no. <laughs> I'm documenting oh about God. you. That's what I would say. That is hilarious. <laughs> no, she put her hand on the oh table. God. She was like, are you writing about me? And I was like, <laughs> sounds like me. <laughs> but anyway, sorry, it just reminded me of that. that sounds like something I would say. Writing That's about so me? Funny. Your little book? <laughs> Yeah, I would have said that. No, don't cry. (laughs) So it's interesting because, you know, we were kind of talking about like women in tech, but it's interesting how like we've all had these experiences outside of tech. So it seems like there isn't that. Well, we'll see. But it doesn't seem to be that big of a difference between, you know, like the tech industry and just kind of working as women. Yeah, sounds like it. So um, do you feel like tech in any way has maybe changed your life and if so like how um so right off like the bat um i would have to say financially uh i definitely uh coming from like uh under like poverty level uh being raised i i never thought that i could make this kind of money and now that i'm here i'm like oh okay and um it's kind of like one of the reasons why i'm like this is like something that people could learn and easily get out of poverty. So that's why I kind of talk about it (laughs) a lot. Um, So I I would overall just say like financially, it has been like the most positive aspect for me. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. I transitioned from surviving to thriving. Well, actually I would have to say I'm having to learn to thrive because I'm kind of having to relearn or like reprogram my own brain and my own mindset mm-hmm. over money, especially. Um, I have to learn like financial management because uh, in the past, obviously with my like, when I was 15, I earned like $5 an hour. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, spending that money was like easy because it was nothing. And yeah. so I have to like teach myself like, okay, you earn it, like pay yourself first through these 
like the 401k which is like also like new to me because i wasn't like informed about that before starting a job and then like thinking about retirement and all that uh there's just like so much to learn as far as that and so that's kind of like where i'm at right now that's a really good point i feel like people get this major upgrade in life with their salaries and careers and they blow through it like crazy or like millionaires um, they go and buy all these things and then they're like not like they're millionaires, but they're not like financially mil- millionaires, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been kind of doing a little bit of like what Rocio's talking about. Like I listen to a lot of Dave Ramsey mm-hmm. and he talks about like this theory. Well, he actually laughs. He's always talking about broke doctors. He's like some of the brokest <laughs> people he's ever met are doctors. And it's yeah. because they're used to living on a certain income. And once you like increase your income, they think they need to increase everything in their life. So yeah, he was like, yeah. they go and that Honda that's been working this whole time, they trade it out, they get three new Audis, a $600,000 house. And, you know, with that comes maintenance and other things. Yeah. And he's just like, just because you increase your income doesn't always necessarily mean you need to increase everything about your life. Obviously, right. some things are probably going to increase, like maybe better living facility but he was like you don't need to go from an apartment to a six hundred thousand dollar house like if you're trying to pay debt you know so yeah. he always yeah. says if you can't handle a thousand dollars a month you can't handle ten thousand dollars a month so mm-hmm. it's like it's no different um yeah so yeah that's I, wise I, I see what you're talking about especially us um, like a lot of us make are making we're probably making the most money than our peers not our peers but maybe our family members so there's really nobody to teach you about all this stuff either you know yeah it's like kind of experiencing it and learning as you go mm-hmm. oh, that's, that's, that's so true because you you're just increasing your income but you're gonna have the same problem <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly because yeah. <laughs> it's your habits right it's your habits yeah. you're thinking yeah yeah, yeah so yeah. um it's I'm definitely having to change, adjust habits. So you're I saying just... Of, I have a bit of credit card debt, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so no, don't we all. Same. Same. Especially right now, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Watch out. I, know, oh. I never thought my life goals would change to like, Oh, now I want like a really good credit score and like no credit card debt. (laughs) I know. Really weird things. And I'm like, somehow that's going to like make me happy. Um, (laughs) I'm I'm definitely learning that buying stuff, it doesn't bring happiness. It's it's having like control of yourself. That's definitely more um, satisfying. Right. So with that being said, like, uh, you know, you said it's like one of the main things about moving into tech or like how tech has changed your life has kind of been financially. Um, so, and you said like, you know, when we talked earlier that you didn't really know much about it, hadn't really heard much about it or been exposed to it. So do you feel like other minorities and or like women know a lot about tech? Um, if they were like anything like me, um, then they, then they wouldn't. <laughs> Um, but I've I've seen that programs are starting to increase, uh, but that also might just be my reality. Um, I've actually volunteered in some programs. Like my experience and me finding out so late and just wishing that I would have just gotten started early. Like a lot of peers while in college, like 
they had our, they already knew how to code, so I, I already felt behind. And I kind of like want to help fill that gap to like make sure that people get exposed. This mission that I have, like aside from like paying off my debt and like getting a really good credit score, I, I want to create a coding camp for kids uh, for lower income fam um, areas. In Chicago, I would probably start off in Chicago or like somewhere in Georgia and kind of like go back to where I'm from and kind of work with people I know just so I'm a little bit more comfortable. Uh, I recently did teach like a intro to computers program through Kennesaw State University. And uh, it was like a basic computer class. But the thing that a lot of the students actually wanted to learn was like coding. So I was like, okay, I'm going to spend a week on that. And I was just like really excited about it. And like doing that kind of like helped reinforce of how I want to do it, like um, on a larger scale, um, but find a way to provide it so that it's free. Additionally, I do know, uh, I think it's probably more in cities that this is common, um, but I know a friend that works at Microsoft, she would volunteer because uh, Microsoft, they go to uh, lower income areas and help tutor the kids with coding. So they do activities, but oh, wow. I think that's like in Seattle. So obviously yeah. like, that's a tech hub. And I think the more that this city start growing, um, you just have to kind of find like those community groups, find where, uh, you like if you have a friend that's, somewhere and you know their kid has been getting access like find a way to make that connection because mm -hmm. um, I feel like even though we have all this access to communication and like different ways to communicate somehow we still miss <laughs> like the connection um, and I think that that might be a problem that there's all these programs but there's not enough people like taking advantage of them or even yeah. knowing mm -hmm. about them mm -hmm. um, so I would say we're doing a podcast, like I feel like you guys are going to touch a lot of people and kind of change lives that way too. Mm -hmm. um, I know we're on episode four, but you, you <laughs> better keep this up and like share it with everyone that you know, because um, you know, it always starts with family and friends. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you know, after being a guest, I'm definitely going to share this. So it's going to like continue yeah. to spread. Yes. <laughs> so so it's, it's, you know, it's about uh, touching more lives. And then as Denise said, like, some people might listen and be like, what are they talking about? But over time, like maybe years later, they'll be like, oh, okay, I'm interested. <laughs> yeah, that's how it happened for me when I saw your stuff. Oh, you were like the first person. I think when I made this decision, I think I'd reached out to you or you reached out to me. I don't, I don't remember. I'm pretty sure I, because I don't think I had announced it. I think I reached out to you and you told me about GitHub. I remember it was something about like a project I wanted to work on. And you were like, you said something about like learning GitHub so that, I could, you could then see what I was doing and help from there. And I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> I was like, what is, Git, what is this GitHub? And I went and looked at it. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Introduced you and then the boot camp, we like actually had to use it. So Yeah, yeah. But I remember like she was one of the first people like, I, like again, it goes like kind of what she was saying. I saw her talking <laughs> about it for years. And at that time I was in pre-med, yeah. you know, so yeah, I just, true. I didn't know what it was. But the moment I was like, I'm going to make this change, I'm like, let me hit a Rocio, you know, like, and that's how it happens. That's amazing. You guys had that connection. That's great. I mean, I don't think, I think you could kind of touched on that because my, my follow-up was going to be about like community and introducing and careers. I also like think that by us, you know, we're that newer generation. When we have kids, I feel like it also goes back to like our parents not really knowing what tech is, you know, even up until this yeah. day. When I told my dad, who likes to Google everything, he went to college here. He thinks he knows everything. When I 
told him he didn't know what a software engineer was. He doesn't know how much they made. You know, he doesn't know anything about that. So once he did his research, it was like, okay, like, I kind of, I don't really know what you're talking about. Like, he wants me to teach him coding. And he asked me about medical coding. Uh, <laughs> medical coding? Yeah. So, like, I only know because of my previous time as a scribe, medical scribe, but with, um, when you go to the doctor, when, when they use the EMR, the electronic medical record system, at the end, when they're billing your insurance, they have to use certain codes and certain diagnosis. So like a cough has a specific like uh, letter and then numbers after it. And then yeah. say, so billing. So you have to like, uh, those codes don't change. So the more, yeah. you, more codes, you know, the better. And you just have to kind of learn them based on insurance companies. Mm-hmm. It's mostly billing purposes. So that's essentially, medic- medical coding is a good field, but he's not understanding that's not what I do. Yeah. <laughs> like, not anymore, you know? What were you going to say, Jessa? Oh, no, I was going to say, um, actually, I used to do that, but for the dental field. Mm-hmm. So I'm learning two different types of coding. But um, but yeah, it's, it's basically just like a way to like bill out a certain procedure with the insurance. And um, it, it's 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 okay but I think that this coding is like a way better industry (laughs) yeah I think Um, they're both good you know people always are gonna get sick that's never gonna change so I'm trying to make my migrate eventually into healthcare but um I think going back like because they don't know Mm -hmm. how can they help us or encourage us to move into a career field they don't even really know much about yeah, you know? and, and also I think uh, elder generations, like um, at least my experience, like with trying to explain it to my mom and her friends is like they see like Google or they'll see like the client side, like they'll see, oh, this is so beautiful, but they don't really get that, like how it gets to be that. Like mm-hmm. they don't like, and I kind of understand that because in, I didn't even think that how a web page right. or how an app is built is all by code, like right. lines and lines of code. So right. um, it's interesting trying to figure out how to explain that, like you know, or like how this functions, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's everything from us. Um, I guess we can open the floor for a little bit, Rosie, and see if there's anything else you would like to maybe talk about or any tips for anyone who's listening who might be yes. even a little curious about trans- transitioning into tech. Was it Edith? I think you were going to say something about like uh, the older generation. Um, I wanted to hear what you were going to say. <laughs> Um, what was that? I know we, like Denise touched on it pretty much was the fact that, you know, my parents, for example, think I just hack, like that's (laughs) what they think. Yeah. And I feel like it's, yeah, I feel like that's easier than actually explaining to them what I do. (laughs) Like, yeah, I can hack. Sure. That's what I do. That's kind of a flex, so hacker girl. (laughs) That's my next career move eventually in life. I want to do cybersecurity so I can bully. No, I'm joking. Damn. Have you guys guys ever seen (laughs) Criminal Minds? Yes. My dad. Oh, well, there's this girl, in Garcia. My dad calls me Garcia. And he has I ever since we were it. younger. Because um, he used to call it to me when we were younger because I would type, like, super fast. And obviously, like, dads are just like, oh, my God, like, you need to slow down. Like, you're always on your phone, right? So <laughs> my dad, he started calling me that when I was younger. And now he like he's like, oh, my God, you really became Garcia. Yeah, <laughs> I actually so can wrong. see it. I, I, I don't, there's not a resemblance, but I can see the quirkiness for sure. So. Yeah. Um. Well, uh, what were you going to um, say, Rocio, like about tips or anything? Um, so you did mention cybersecurity and like you guys talking about um, 
talking, it made me realize. Uh, <laughs> so I actually went to Vegas like two weeks ago. I saw. Um, and uh, I went for DEFCON, which is, uh, it was the 29th, I think. It was the 29th year that they've been doing it. Um, and it's basically like a huge cybersecurity conference. Like all oh. these hackers go. And me as a software engineer, I was like, I'm just a developer. I don't do what y'all do. <laughs> I was like, but then like I kind of, it kind of piqued my interest. So I was like, when you said that's probably what I'll do, I was like, same. Cause like, it was really interesting. And then like, it, it just seems like for me, I was like, it would make me feel like I have purpose because I'm exposing vulnerabilities. And like with so many people making websites, I'm like, oh, there's like too many websites that are unsecure and like people are filling yeah. out their information yeah. and their data, not even knowing if like whoever wrote the code for their, that or whoever is storing that information into a database, if they even like did the precautions to like protect their information. That's true. And yeah. so um, one thing that I learned about at this conference was that there's like this program and I'll definitely like send it to you through the Instagram or something. So maybe y'all can share it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a free program and it's actually for like non-technical anybody who's just like maybe i want to do cybersecurity. so like breaking into tech might be like going from what you guys were doing before like medical um to maybe you're like maybe i want to do cybersecurity now and that's still breaking into tech so the Mm. program they have is like it introduces them to like very basic coding and then um it goes into like the basics of cybersecurity. And then finally they go into like teaching them like the basics of pen testing, which is like penetration testing to expose the vulnerabilities on websites. Mm. And so like all that training is free. And then um, the the down part is that to get a certificate for that, it does cost like, I think if I remember correctly, it's 500. Um, but I mean, if anybody's like interested in cybersecurity, uh, I definitely like want to share that because I'm like, that yeah. sounds like a great program, especially yeah. if you have no experience, and you just want to get your feet wet. And who knows, it might be like your way into a new job. Because um, cybersecurity field is also hurting. There's not enough people in that field. Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and that pay, that's like double what developers make. Really? Would you say that there's yeah. um, more developers than there are cybersecurity professionals? I think so, yeah. I oh, think so, so okay. Every project, there's usually, like, depending on the size of the company, obviously, like, for DOD, there's a, a entire group of cybersecurity because they have right. to protect nation's data. Uh-huh. Um, but for bigger companies, they usually have, like, so um, there's, like, DevOps who, like, work on deploying the projects. And then apparently now there's the new thing, which I hadn't heard of before, but there's like DevSecOps, which is like DevOps security, making sure that it's deployed securely and kind of like doing all the testing to make sure like it's unbreakable kind of thing. And so huh. that's, that's definitely becoming a need, especially for big companies, because they're like, they have massive amounts of data that they need to protect. Um, yeah. Because I'm sure you guys always hear about the data leaks and all that. And that's yeah. because of yeah. the lack of people in cybersecurity. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Send it, please. I think I want a career change before I start my new career. <laughs> I've been considering it. I'm so in, I've been so... in Like, Twitter exposed me to cybersecurity. I was like, what? What is this? Like, And I say, it doesn't hurt to, like, come from, like, a coding background. Like, it kind of... Right. I'm sure that it probably gives us a leg up. Yeah. yeah. So, I would say... Maybe... A year from now, we'll be talking about 
cyber <laughs> security. That's yeah. what I love about tech. It's like it's not like I mean, medicine. It's only so much you can do, and I'm not saying that's not the same for tech. But like in tech, it's like you can decide. Okay, I want to go into DevOps, or I want to try cybersecurity, or I want to try. Like, there's so many avenues you can explore that will take yeah. you so many different places. Like, it's crazy. That's so, so true. Crazy. So. Yeah, there's there's definitely something for everyone. Yeah. Petition to change our names to Cyber Chicas. The Cyber Chicas. <laughs> Girl, let's let's do this, this first, and then we don't even know what we're doing yet. We just thought about it. We can't change our name yet. I'm just kidding. We'll do a Cyber Chicas uh, season. How about that? Cyber Chica season. Alternate alternate universe. We'll just yeah, do an episode. We'll kick Jessa out though. Put somebody uh, else here. Maybe Rocio can be our new um, yeah. We've been looking Jessa. for a replacement anyways. Tickets <laughs> <laughs> from Jessa. Aww. If that's We're how you guys kidding, feel. Jessa. That's I'm not okay. kidding. You're just kidding. Oh. <laughs> you didn't know this is an audition? <laughs> I'm joking. I'm watch it's gonna be me that's kicked out. It's funny. Uh, <laughs> whose idea was this in the beginning? Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Jesus definitely let the Jesus idea come to me. Yeah. Not yours, girl. Y'all here claiming false things. Uh uh-uh. uh. So, <laughs> what, what you gonna do? Nothing. No. But any. <laughs> no. But anyways. Um. Yeah, I just want to say like a personal thank you, Rocio, uh, just for um, making time for us. And um, I actually learned a lot, and um, I thought that your information was really, really useful. And I and I know it's going to help so many people. Um, is there like a platform where like people can follow you if they wanted to that you're okay with? Or yeah, so um, I so on Instagram, I'm Chio underscore codes. Okay. So that's- C-H-I-O underscore codes. Okay. I'll share, I'll uh, actually share you if you don't mind. Yeah. And then um, additionally, uh, since we're talking about the other platforms, um, I do have a YouTube channel uh, okay. with like the mission to share coding tips and stuff. Well, not coding tips, but like career and coding and stuff like that. I'll, um, I will say I, I have been slow to upload recent videos, but uh, I have a few as far as like coding bootcamp and all that, um, that I hope like helps anyone who's interested. Uh, I'll be doing like a DEF CON experience. Um, Ooh, and I definitely uh, recommend, I think it would be a cool little reunion if we all met at DEF CON next year. It's really fun. It's not just yes. like a bunch of nerds going to conferences, but like people are hacking, they're hacking like internet of things and like, cars they're hacking the the voting booth there there's so many like cool things that you get exposed to and i definitely recommend at least doing it once in your life if it's not next year like put it on your bucket list where um, where is so, it located uh so i have a youtube channel um and it'll be my my name um and i might just have to share a link with that or uh, no um sorry rocio of devcon oh, devcon yeah uh, that's in vegas that's oh, okay. uh, in vegas love it year. never been yeah same. which which makes Let's it extra go. fun. <laughs> yeah. Make, make sure you limit your amount of uh, at the casino. <laughs> Devcon developer by day or hacker by day and Las Vegas girl by night. Who's that? <laughs> you? Maybe. <laughs> Look for Perhaps. her next year at Devcon, guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
but no, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely be, we'll definitely, um, share your socials and, yes. um, and yeah, I'm excited. Um, hopefully, uh, you get some follows from us and people <laughs> can get to see the content you put out there. Thank you. I'm really glad that, uh, you found some value in, uh, what I shared with y'all. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so it. much. <laughs>